Hey, it's Wine and Jesus. Hello, Jen. How's it going? Good. Good. Um, I was thinking about a topic that we should do that's maybe not about like aliens or monsters or anything. And we had always been discussing how we're going to raise Mateo and, and when he gets those questions later in life, how we're going to answer them. And it just kind of brought up the natural topic of everything that we have come to believe and the reason why people come to believe it. So, um, I don't know. What do you think about that? I think it sounds interesting. Um, yeah, it's, it's definitely different because, like, we were raised a little different and had different, like, classes and expectations. So, I'm yes. not really sure, like... <laughs> how much to push and what not to push on him at this point because I felt like a lot was pushed on you. I feel like I had a normal amount of pushing, but... <laughs> yeah, um, so I think um, I'm going to just kind of lay it out, like kind of what I was taught as a child um, and how I was raised in the faith, and then um, I'd love to hear your story too, um, but then we can kind of compare and contrast to what we believe today and to what we might um, kind of tell Mateo and pass on to our generations to come. So cool. um, to start just real quick, I'm going to lay it all out there. I was raised, born and raised uh, Catholic. Um, That's brand new information. Roman Catholic. I know. Shocker. You everybody. haven't mentioned that every ever. episode. <laughs> Boy, I wonder if that's ever had an effect on my life. Um, <laughs> but yeah, it was a pretty staunch Catholic uh, home. And, you know, I learned all of the catechism all of the catechisms, like, I learned all of the, that's what the Catholic, like, kids teach, like, as you're a child, you go to catechism class, or CCD is what you probably called it, right? Um, I think we just called it, like, Wednesday night something, I don't know, it was, like, not all... Latin? <laughs> it, it, yeah, it wasn't probably what it was really called to my parents, but I don't think we called it anything weird. I can't remember what it was called. But you saw all these words, and I'm like, that mm -hmm. is not what was taught to me. And I think it's probably just my lack of ability to focus and pay attention because, <laughs> like, I'm pre-ADD already, and then you throw something that's super boring that, like, you don't care about into it. So, I don't know. You seem to know and have retained a lot more of your yeah. knowledge of growing up in that thing. I, for some reason, like, luckily my school, Grain Valley, like, I didn't have to do a whole bunch of homework as, as I grew up. Um, and I still, I, so, like, we went to the same school. <laughs> this school, by the way, was not a big school. I mean, it's bigger now big if you were to big. look it up. But, like, when we went there, like, we didn't even break 100 in our graduating class. And he wants to say he never had homework. Yeah. I always had homework. We went to the same school. <laughs> So, okay, let me What rephrase. did you do differently? Because I was always having homework and studying. Let me rephrase that. <laughs> I never did my homework. But you still got A's. And uh, I was, like, struggle busing to try to, like... No, I didn't try in school. So I did not get A's, unfortunately. I, um, I did usually do my homework right before class or during class or luckily the class before or something like that. But it was... Uh, There's a few close calls there. But nonetheless, back to... <laughs> Back to learning Shaking about my head at him. That's why he's laughing. Because me. I'm just like, seriously, we went to the same school. And you got really good grades and did really well. Straight and C's, And you didn't baby. have any homework issues. And then I was like always the one who was like, crap, this is going to have a D in it. And I showed up to every single class and I did all of my homework assignments. But because I studied real hard and couldn't remember, 
metamorphosis or whatever that stupid thing of the day that I was supposed to be learning about <laughs> that I studied the night before, then I would get bad grades because I'm a really bad test taker. <laughs> metamorphosis is a thing. It's I, a science I thing. I know. I was just... No, like, it's great. I'm glad you remembered something. I'm like, so like randomly off topic, but we were driving the other day and we're like, what are those clouds called? <laughs> And we were trying to remember, like, the stages of clouds. And then we're like, why did schools teach that to us? Like, who needs to know that? But everybody <laughs> knows the clouds. Sorry for taking us off. Um, yeah, so church class. Um, I, for some reason, didn't care about school, but I really cared about learning about God for some reason. And it wasn't like a, oh, I'm so moral and oh, I'm awesome. No, it was like, I think God might literally strike me down, like, in in a flurry of lightning if I didn't know and and do everything that he would say and want me to do according to as I understood it so were you really fearful of God or were you fearful because that's how you were taught like do you feel like it was something that was instilled of you because of your knowledge from your catechism classes or because of your home life and what your example was demonstrating um I think a little of both, but the majority of it was my understanding of how God is based on what the church officially taught me. And that's not a knock on Catholicism at all. I'm not trying to make this a therapy session about Catholicism whatsoever. But I do think it was it was quite a bit to do with the theology that I was taught and a lot to do with how the home was run and, and things like that. And and no knock on my parents either. That's how they were raised and understood God to be as well. So, I mean, we all just function as we try to understand the world and try to do the best with what the knowledge we have. So, yeah. So then, and the reason I ask these questions is not to knock on Catholicism because my family is Catholic as well. Um, and I have the utmost respect for it. But really, I'm just curious because like you, when, when we first started dating, you had already kind of turned your back on yeah. faith altogether. So it's funny that you, not funny, but interesting that you allude to like having this thirst to want to know everything about mm-hmm. God when you were little to where you were when I met you yeah. and then to now where you are being a, a pastor, <laughs> which is like a complete 180. So yeah. like <laughs> So here, here's kind of how I imagine it, you know, like in school, for example, and you're working on a really hard you know, math or geometry problem. That was the things I would really try to own, use all my mind power to figure out this and carry the thing. And then by the end, you're like trying as hard as you can and putting all of your might into figuring out this problem. And at the end, you're like, I can't figure out. And you throw your pencil and paper and you flip your desk. I can't anymore. You just walk away from it all. Were you in my algebra class? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> I saw you flip that desk. No, but that's kind of how I felt with religion. Like I tried so hard and did all the, you know, took all the right steps and kept screwing up and trying to ask, ask, ask for forgiveness um, and all this stuff and kept screwing up and then trying to learn more and understand more and be better and be chased and all these things and trying so hard. And by the end of it, I'm like, I cannot win this. I cannot figure out this equation. And so I threw my pencil and metaphorical paper in the air and flipped my metaphorical desk and walked away from religion altogether. And and at a time, I was like, if that's how God is, then there can't be a God. So that I kind of convinced myself in my own mind, I don't know about my own heart, but my own mind that 
God just might not be there then. And that's because, though, you were always taught from your father that you have to earn your way. Is that right? So, like, you felt like, I'm never going to be able to do enough to earn my way into heaven. So, what's the point at this point? Because yeah, I'm and a young we, adolescent. And, yeah. Yeah. I think as we get later on into this discussion, I'm going to answer that question for you. But I okay. won't answer it yet. But I'd love to hear... Um, up to that point where you come from, up to your adulthood, let's say. Yeah, so um, I was raised Catholic as well. Gosh, I wish I could remember what we called the Wednesday night classes. I can't for the life of me. You know, there's like just certain things that are ingrained in your brain. You don't know why you remember it. And then there are certain things that you should remember and should be ingrained in your brain. And you're like, I have no idea. It's completely lost on me. Um, (laughs) Maybe it was all that sacramental wine you guys drank during the class. That is it. We had real wine actually at mass. So that was it. You had grape juice, right? No, we had real wine. I just couldn't. We just didn't drink it at our church. Why don't we have real wine at our church now? We're not Catholic now, and we do Oof. communion. Is it, like, it, only a, a Catholic of, thing to a do lot the box wine? <laughs> yeah, a lot of the Reformers kind of got rid of the alcohol altogether in their sacraments and, and traditions, and so um, they wanted to use symbolism with the bread and wine, but they didn't want to get people, like, involved in alcohol. So they were more Puritan than the Catholic Church was a lot in a lot of ways. I mean, it all comes to grapes, grape juice, wine, <laughs> potato. Anyway, stop distracting okay. me from Sorry. your story. Um, my sto- I mean, my story is not that exciting. So um, we it's went all important to a bigger Catholic church than you did. So um, we were probably more lost in the shuffle of like the more you know like routine that the church had. Like we were a part of the church. People knew you know knew who we were, but there's so many people so we had a lot of kids to play with and you know it church for me was more it was a chore for one because I thought it was boring like I wasn't a fan of the sit stand kneel sit stand kneel oh gosh that's probably why I have a good butt um you can catholic booty (laughs) that's what we should start calling that (laughs) oh she got a catholic booty (laughs) I think we just came up with a phrase nailed it so um yeah I mean I was even an altar girl um all of it and you know that was frowned upon in my day Oh, yeah, my church was more progressive because it was a little bigger. Like I said, we had the box wine, so, you know. Those dresses that you put on were only meant for men. How dare you? But even, like, I remember, so my church was a little bit more, I guess, not loose in, like, the rules or anything of that nature. Like, my mom had been divorced previous to my dad, um, so she never took communion with us. My dad never came to church with us. So, um, my, it, to me, it, church always kind of felt like a chore. Mm-hmm. I always believed in God and it wasn't about strengthening my relationship with God. To mm-hmm. me, it felt more like a ritual every week that I already had focusing issues. Like <laughs> I was pretty ADHD and pro- like very undiagnosed, but it was really hard for me like to study and to focus and like to sit there for an hour after like you know was Wednesday same as that like it was still a chore and not fun yeah because you still had to sit in a classroom for the most part on Wednesdays and then there would be sometimes like after church would be fun because you know like they had the playground and our church was bigger so like it was a little bit more fun and we do donuts after and like in a car no donuts like they would give donuts out um, that's a sweet priest right there like jump in kids skirt yeah and i knew my priest i really liked him respected him um but like when i say my my church was more loose i guess they just didn't um 
they didn't make you feel like you needed to have this Catholic guilt to like continue your walk with faith. So uh-huh. to me, I, it, it was never really like honed in on my face like when we did confession for the first time for example I remember like we all had to like stand in line because there was a lot of us and like we'd go up and have our time with Father Mike we'll get into confession later by the way and I couldn't I'm like oh gosh how old would we have been at that time like I don't know. Yeah, like, like after communion. Yeah, age. it was uh-huh. after first communion age. Yeah. But I was still young Maybe and younger. still not understanding what confession meant. And so, it, not to give away your point, but confession is to repent, to turn away from one's sin, you know, like to confess your sin to God, not not to have a mediator to confess that sin to God. And I, I just didn't, I wanted didn't understand it. I probably didn't pay attention when it was explained to me because I didn't focus when I was in these classes. I was more worried about like having friends and the fun part of it. And I, I got up there and I'm like, I, I was mean to my sister. I, I mean, I didn't know what to confess. Like, what am I supposed to be confessing? Like, what's a sin? Because I just didn't have my shortcomings to that extent from my mom or my christian side family um point out my flaws like they were always the ones to build me up and Mm -hmm. like that family and their their church was always a positive thing Mm -hmm. for me and then even when i would go to my grandparents church that was in a much smaller town Mm -hmm. than the church that we went to um i never got the same like the sense that things were drilled into them either like it just felt like everybody was more accepted for who they were um and like god you know like is the big part of your life and like they're doing the rituals and telling the stories. And I just didn't think anything of it, if that makes sense. Mm -hmm. I didn't get anything out of it. So Mm -hmm. I wasn't that interested in continuing going to that type of church because to me it was boring and um, hard for me to, to really gain anything biblical out of it. Like to me, there wasn't a message that I was getting and I myself personally need that. Like I need to go back to basics and understand the Bible and what the Bible's saying to be able to go into that place of worship where they're only going to pick a chapter of the Bible and talk about it for five minutes and then move on throughout the day because you really want to make sure that everybody gets through that wine line before that hour (laughs) hits because there's a Chiefs game that day. So (laughs) Happy hour at the church. So, I mean, that's my story. My dad, you know, was not religious. He did not go to church. My mom forced us to go to church and... um, I don't know, my mom wasn't that hardcore on it to, like, ensure that she was able to take communion with us ever in the 18 years that, you know, I went to church. So if that explains, I guess, like, my family dynamic versus your family dynamic, it was just not, it wasn't a thing. Like, we were just, we believed in God. Yeah. So basically, you know, I did all of that until I graduated. And then when, the boyfriend I was dating in high school, I dated for a little bit after high school in he, him and his camp family was Catholic as well. Mm-hmm. And Italian so, Catholic. Yes. Third type. So, I mean, like, I would go to church occasionally, you know, like, we would do that to appease our parents and things of that nature. But really, once, you know, it's kind of out on my own, I didn't have the desire to go to church. And I didn't have the desire to look into other churches because that was all that I knew. I just knew I believed in God and I didn't really need to go to church to justify that. It's really kind of where I was at when I entered my adult walk. And then I'll just kind of end my story there mm-hmm. so we can keep, dot, 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 dot. keep on the Catholicism side and I can get to where I'm at today later. <laughs> okay. So, and this isn't only about Catholicism because there's a lot of religions that are oh, yeah. professors out there. So, it's just like where we have our examples because exactly. it's what we know. Yes. So it's like 
we went from Catholic to Baptist to now Mm non-denominational. And so, yeah, it's, it's completely different. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Things mean different things. And when, sometimes when you hear people switching religions willy nilly, it makes you think, oh, their heart's not in the right place or they might, you know, they might just not understand. But I truly think that we're the more and more we learn, the closer we are getting to God's heart when we when we look into those things and and are humble enough to say, hey, this might be a better path for us. So anyway, no, it's, I mean that's a good point because I feel now that like I'm more at peace and happier in my life, and like our life is more bountiful and plentiful than ever. And I feel like the closer we get to that, the better our life gets. So it's I don't think it's a coincidence. I don't know. I think God's awesome and he leads us in awesome ways sometimes when we're kicking and screaming. So, um, the cool thing about all these denominations is they do profess certain beliefs and creeds all the same, um, such as the Apostles' Creed or the Nicene Creed. Very similar uh, sayings in both of the creeds. I, I, I can't remember off the top of my head any differences. It's basically the one where it goes, I believe in God the Father, the, the Lord, the giver of life. And it's basically the whole thing. I had to memorize that um, for catechism classes, yep. and yep. I cannot remember it today. Um, but do you want to read it? <laughs> no. Okay. You can. It goes... I should know this off the top of my head. and I, Once it starts going, I usually can't. Okay. I believe in God the Father. The, I believe in God the Father Almighty, creator of heaven and earth. I believe in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord who was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, died, and was buried. On the third day he rose again, he ascended into heaven, he is seated at the right hand of the Father, and will come again to judge the living and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and life everlasting. Amen. Um, that's the most basic one, and it's plucked from a bit of Paul's writing. Wait, so the Apostles' Creed is only a Catholic thing? No, that's what I'm saying. So when says, I said Catholic, that's why I checked, or stopped for a yeah. second. The you Holy read it Catholic so fast. Church. Say that line again. Okay, I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and life everlasting. Amen. So, commun- so the Holy Catholic Church, Catholic meaning universal. That's all that that word means. So... When you hear somebody saying I'm Catholic, you could still be like, well, what what denomination? Because when you say Catholic, it can mean anybody that's a Christian, universal Christian. So before the term Christian, there it was Catholic, and that kind of meant there was Christian? originally only like a single official quote unquote church, um, called the the Catholic Church, and then when Rome broke into um, East and West, there was the Roman Catholic Church and then the Byzantine Catholic Church. So the Eastern Orthodox, which is like, um, they still hold to, to um, a lot of the Catholic traditions and things, but they've kind of, they're a little bit different in their uh, statements of faith and doctrines. And then you have the Roman Catholic, which was based in Rome, the Western side, and it was based on Peter being the first pope and passing on that tradition or that um you know appointation to the next person and next person and so they can claim they trace back to Peter the apostle of Jesus whom they claim in the bible Jesus appoints as the first pope when he says you're the rock in whom I build my church there are some intricacies within that statement and that translation where petros and um the other, oh gosh I should have looked this up earlier, but the other translation for what he names Peter and then on the rock, there are two separate words. Peter is a pebble from that larger rock. So he's basically saying, you are Peter, 
the pebble of and on the rock of the statement of your faith, who which Peter had just said, you are Jesus, God, Son of God, da 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 da. So Peter's statement is the rock that he's building his church on, and Peter is part of that, but he's not the foundation stone that should be passed on as the vicar of Christ or the replacement of Christ, if you look in the Latin word, what vicar means. Vicarious, you've heard that term, saying vicar is the in place of Jesus. The vicar of Christ is what the Pope claims to be, and I just can't get on board with that, amongst other things, but that is the principal difference between what the Catholics claim. They can claim the tradition passed down all the way from Peter, and then the other churches have broken off from there. So then, like, the Catholics do a lot of things in one service every single Sunday that we do sporadically. So, look, can we break them down a little bit? Because I'm kind of curious, like, one, why they do it every single service. They make it less about the Bible and more about, like... repeating certain prayers and in songs that was another thing that really bothered me about catholic church is the music i am a music person and like that's a big thing when we were trying to find a church like when we went into one and it was like very old school i was like i don't think i can do this like i can't i need somebody with an acoustic guitar and like you know a good voice yeah unfortunately there are a lot of churches uh, not catholic alone um have either restrictions on the type of worship they can do or the type of instrumentation and all this kind of stuff like organs or pipes and and string pianos if they use those and stuff but then you have wants to listen to like music accompanied by an organ well they're keeping the traditions of old and unfortunately i think stylistically cultures and societies change the way that they show excitement and show praise and worship and i think singing in church is a part of worshiping god it's like expressing in joy and this exuberance in song what you how you love God and you appreciate everything he's done. And so why not use the your contemporary understanding of that? It, yes, it, it doesn't have to be like throwing up devil horns and, you know, headbanging. But like do it, do it the way that your heart expresses you love God the most, I think. My opinion. I like it. So let's start with... The sit, stand, and kneel. Does that have any sort of, like, biblical basis, or is that just a Catholic thing? Do other churches do that? So, um, that's a great question to open up, where it is not in the Bible, but it is tradition that has been passed down, claim the the Orthodox churches. So, Catholic, Roman, Roman Catholic, and Eastern Orthodox. So early they call them apostolic fathers so the immediate successors of the 12 apostles so there's a whole bunch of early church fathers who they claim kind of passed down these traditional acts and beliefs and certain things so a lot of what the orthodox churches claim are not necessarily specific in scripture but they are um traditions passed down from the early church fathers and then they allude to the bible and say well, it correlates to here in this way, and the Bible is kind of indicating in a loose way that's what this tradition should do. Um, and so they base, you know, it, as long as it doesn't go against the Bible, I guess you could say, then it's okay if it's from an early church source, according to the official doctrines of the Orthodox churches. So it's interesting that, that yes, they do claim we can trace our lineage back to Peter and the Apostles, and so can any Christian, technically, because it's from Jesus. It's the following followers of Jesus. But um, 
I just, I start looking into the sit, stand, kneel things as just more rituals um, that you can do with a sincere heart. And there's plenty of Catholics out there that do them with a sincere heart um, because that's their way of worshiping God. I totally understand. Now, it being necessary, um, and then we'll get into the sacraments later, those being necessary for your salvation, that's where we might start butting heads against each other. But um, as far as what you want to do during your church services that you feel um, praises God and worships God and honors God, I don't have a problem with it as long as it's not like promoting anti-Christian attitudes. No, I mean, that makes sense. So then like, I'm I'm interested to get into more of the details then besides the sit, stand, kneel, like you were alluding to. Um, let's go with which, what's the first step, you I wanna, guess. You want to talk in order of some sacraments that certain churches um, uh, encourage or let's say the Catholic Church, for example, claims um, that these sacraments are necessary steps in, into, in your, uh, your Christian walk in life. Okay. For example... Uh, what would you guess is the your first act as a Christian or as a member of a Christian family that you have done on you or sometimes older people choose to have done on them? Baptism. Baptism. And so there's this conflict of a many different denominations across the Christian board of can you should you and can you baptize babies or should you make a personal choice of baptism? So we've been baptized twice. Yeah, both of us have as babies. Um, where they did the sprinkling over our heads. And then, and that's kind of the Catholics' family's promise to raise their child up in the Catholic faith. And it is claimed to wash away your original sin that you received from Adam and Eve's original sin when they ate the fruit of knowledge of good and evil. But then what was Jesus dying for? Like, I thought that was so the purpose. We're going to get into that Sorry. under some of the later ones. No, it's a great question because that is the that is the question really, but we'll get into that in a second. Um but baptism is essentially for anybody that's not familiar with it perhaps. I've also heard that they believe that if you haven't been baptized that you won't be accepted into heaven. So that's the washing away of the original sin. If you haven't washed away your original sin, it's harder to get into heaven or you might have to spend a really long time in purgatory for it before you can get to heaven. So before we get into like terms and stuff where people might not understand, we'll start with baptism. Baptism is essentially uh, inst- seemingly instituted by Christ in the Bible. Um, I agree. Um, and, and John the Baptist was the one baptizing people before Jesus even showed up on the scene. But then Jesus shows up and, and um, says, hey, John, baptize me and john's like i'm not worthy to even undo your sandal why do you want me to baptize you you're per you're he knew who he was he's like you're the son of god and jesus is like no do it for he basically says like do it for righteousness's sake <laughs> righteousness's sake and it kind of just meant like i'm identifying with my human side as jesus christ son of god so let's do this as a human, as an example of what humans should do. So I totally believe the institution of baptism is is something that Jesus kind of portrayed in his life. And if and when you decide you want to follow Jesus, go ahead and get baptized. It has nothing to do with your particular salvation, in my opinion. And based on scripture, I, I know where people get the idea that it is salvation-based, but it it's not, it, it's always included as, have faith and be baptized. There's never be baptized 
dot, 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 nothing else. It's always, baptism's always, if it's ever thought of as necessary, it's always attached to faith. And so that faith um, is mainly what you hear about in the Bible. If you have faith in Jesus, you'll be saved or, you know, all those different types of terms. So, okay, this is just me being ignorant and because I'm like always a feelings person. (laughs) What if Jesus, and I'm probably, I'm totally butchering everything about what the Bible says about this. So please correct me when I'm done. Um, What if Jesus was just trying to change the message? Like this is something that these people are doing on earth already. And I'm not going to stop them from thinking that they need to wash away their sins. So what if I change the message and make it more about, like, accepting, you know, like, God in Christ, you know, to, to that you're not going to be a sinner. Not washing away your sins, but, you know, trying to establish yourself in a new light. Yes, yes. I think you're exactly right. I think, and the reason why I think you're right is the end of that story where he says, baptize me just for righteousness sake. What about righteousness? Righteousness is... You sound like a snake. And immediately when Jesus pops out of the water, the Holy Spirit descends on him like a dove, it says. And it's seen, I think, by John the Baptist. He sees the Holy Spirit descending on Jesus as a dove. So basically kind of... And then there's allusions to Old Testament passages where... And then I saw the, or the, the, the spirit of the Lord is upon me is, is a, a popular quote in the Old Testament prophes, prophetic uh, things about Jesus. And so it's kind of saying this is the start of Jesus's ministry where he's getting baptized. And, it's, and so I do think it's kind of Jesus's way of saying, hey, guys, when you take this step, you're kind of making a commitment to yourself and to God of how you're going to carry yourself as um, understanding who I am now. And so it's kind of the same thing. He said he he has this symbol, this the spirit coming upon him, and it's kind of the same idea. When we accept that, we accept that spirit to guide us from there forward. Next up, we have, um, no. Next up, we have. Well, when you're a little younger, we had just talked about this one. What's the second one you think Catholics do? Um, first communion. Yep. And what is communion in your mind? So it's eating of the the body and the blood of christ so it's recreating the last supper essentially so in the last supper jesus broke the bread and said take this and eat this in memory of me so it's supposed to be symbolic of recreating the last supper um from my understanding i'm probably wrong you tell agree? me right pastor keep Gio. going keep going come on um <laughs> <laughs> but um and then he did the same thing with wine you know this is my blood you know drink this in memory of me um, and so people tend to eat this cracker and take a sip of wine after a person in front of them, which I wonder if COVID has killed that have, yeah, because <laughs> I remember you'd stay on this long line and like somebody would hold a glass of wine and, and they would have a cloth and then you would take a drink and then they would wipe it with the cloth and turn the glass and then you would get to drink on the other side. Yeah. But I mean, after that glass has been turned like five times, you've shared germs and then you have hundred people in line it's just icky it's icky so i just think everybody should carry their own silly straw just take a take a snooze what if they just gave everybody their own wine glass well that's what they do in other uh, denominations for communion no they give you a grape, grape juice, juice okay but... little pre-packaged you, you thing. want like I, a beta box i want a <laughs> wine glass and i want to walk up to a, a it, it, that's all it is it's okay i was an altar girl it's like franzia so it's cheap boxed wine yeah, and you, take a take a hit of that there's no reason why that boxed wine by the way like stays in that fridge for like 
months. Oh, months. It's disgusting. <laughs> so. You can see it on the priest's face when he's finishing it off. He has to do a little swirl and, and finish off everybody else's backwash and the remaining wine oh. or blood, whatever he considers it. And it, you can just see on his face, he's like, dude. Yeah. <laughs> so why, why do, um, why is it that like when we were in Catholic church, we did that every single week versus now we do it like quarterly. I mean, there's really not even a schedule. It's just like we walk into church and they're like, we're doing communion today. And we're like, oh, surprise. I guess it has been a while. Yeah. So like what, what's the difference? Yeah. Um, so Catholics traditionally have, adhered to the do it once a week thing on Sunday is the necessary one go as many days a week as you want it's you'll get more graces for it a little bit of IV shot each time you go but I mean Sunday do it and you're good each each week as long as you haven't committed a mortal sin or one of those other sins that disallows you such as divorce and not been annulled and forgiven then on the other side of things um, you have denominations that don't make it a necessary step towards salvation um, it's more of a, and I don't want to put words in the Catholics' mouth. The Catholics don't necessarily claim it. You, it, it's a very fine line between if the communion is for your salvation or not. But it definitely helps you out. I'll just say that. I guess I never like, I, probably my lack of paying attention again. <laughs> but I never got that message. Like I just never thought. I thought we were just recreating the Last Supper mm-hmm. and like having this symbolicness. I didn't know that all these things were about my salvation and I mean it makes sense now thinking about it because I did comment earlier like my mom could never take communion because she was divorced previously and so she would have had to get her marriage annulled through the catholic face or catholic faith um and a face (laughs) in a face she'd have to get a new face everything (laughs) no but she'd have to get that marriage annulled in order to have been able to like be pure enough to take communion and I never thought about it. I'm just like, whatever. And then there was one time where you and I were going to take communion at one of our niece's baptisms. And you were like, oh, I live with you out of wedlock, so I can't take communion. And I looked at you like, what? Get up here. You're fine. Like, you're the, like, most Christian person I know. And you're like, no, I can't. I can't. And I just, like, I, I never ever one Sunday was like, I'm not good enough to take communion. I was like, no, I want my wine. You are a terrible 10 Catholic. o'clock, my stomach is growling. I've been listening to this shit for an hour. Give me my wine. Give me a piece of bread. <laughs> I never thought I wasn't I good enough for that. I don't care if it's stale or not. Dude. And I never understood why my mom just didn't get up and take communion. I'm like, just get up and eat the damn cracker. <laughs> like, Yeah, so it's funny that you say that because you were not adhering to Catholic doctrine. No, I you like, you definitely need to like. I like the message that was given that. to me. Repent. <laughs> I liked the message that was given to me. We're not gonna make you feel guilty. We're just gonna teach you about God, and what Catholic church? I don't know. It was. I'm just kidding. I again, I didn't pay attention. It was probably no. That. I you're they were that's probably, amazing. I think I think your understanding of God throughout your life was far more pure than mine. Because I like lived points. in a bubble. I'm like ooh butterfly. God's great. And so you get to the, well, why do you, why do certain people adhere to it actually being the body and blood of Jesus Christ? And, and they appeal mostly to John. Well, there's a lot of like he, the book of Hebrews, but John chapter six, I think is what they really talk about and how Jesus is saying, truly, truly, I say unto you. And whenever Jesus says, truly, truly, I say unto you in the Bible, it's like, I'm for real guys. No joking around. Real talk. If it was like the Ivonics Bible, it'd be like, real talk, y'all. And then he'd like say something for real. 
And so and he goes, when you eat my body and you drink my blood, you get eternal life and all these things that he says in the... Um, but he's just saying you, when you accept me into your heart, right? Not physically eat my cracker body. I yeah. don't know. I mean, like, the, the cracker was made at, what, Johnson & Johnson? So there's, like... a, there's a step within the, the holy mass uh, rituals. Where the priest literally takes and they, they admit it's just a piece of bread and it's just a glass of wine. And during a certain point of the ceremony, if you will, um, they believe he consecrates it and it's called transubstanti- transubstantiation and it changes into the body and blood of Jesus at that point. So any crumb, any droplet of wine that's in that area that's been con- consecrated on the altar there is Jesus now. So you either have to feed it to everybody and make sure it's gone, or at the end of the mass you see the 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 priest swirl around and finish the rest of it off, and then he locks up any extra wafers in the little um, vestibule. There's a little like tabernacle behind the altar that holds extra hosts. Mm-hmm. So in case there's extra people that come to mass, or um, and when they have extra extras left over, the priest doesn't have to chow down on like you know waferos. He can just throw the rest into the tabernacle for the next mass and add them in there if you need them so but you can't waste that stuff like i've i've seen one time where a host was dropped and the altar boy didn't catch it with their little like catcher pad thing mm-hmm. and the priest had to pick it up off the ground and eat it because that's jesus and you can't waste that you can't throw that away Five second rule <laughs> exactly so and plus it's jesus at that point so it's not there's no terms so they like really the case for COVID's lost. They need to just keep all drinking out no, of that same kidding. glass. <laughs> no, that's not... They don't claim that. I was just kidding. I'm kidding. But, um, no, but they truly believe that it gets consecrated at that point okay. or it gets transubstantiated into that. That reminds me also of holy water. That's something that's different. They do a blessing on it and it becomes something different. Same thing. Okay. Yeah. Interesting. Okay. Um, so anyway, so that's the Eucharist and they base it in the Bible and what Jesus tells us where... And their argument, and this is a like funny semi-intelligent argument you protestants or you people that broke away from the catholic church you take everything in the bible so literal except this one chapter where when jesus says truly i say to you this is my body and this is my blood you guys think that's a figurative figure of speech somehow when it's really his body and blood when you ingest it and you're eating him and you're getting graces for it that's what they argue so Hmm. that's where they're at Okay, so then, um, I guess, like, that's probably the, the big main things, right? And then, um, oh, no. confession is another. So, next one in Catholicism is confirmation. Okay. So, when you become, it's like the coming of age, kind of like the bar mitzvah. Um, it's your coming of age. It's usually the end of your high school. It was my, like, junior year, yeah. I think. uh-huh. And same with me, junior year, I think. And then, you're basically, uh, welcomed into the church as an adult and a, a full member of the church at that point. And so it's kind of your baptism into Catholicism official at that point. You're an adult now. You're making your, your, you're making your Christian decisions for yourself at that point. Then you have um, penance or the confessional or um, uh, confession is essentially what they refer to. And it's in the Bible and it says, you know, confess your sins to one another. And then they build upon that scripture with tradition. And it's essentially saying, tell a priest what you've done sin-wise, whether it be venial or mortal sin, and he'll tell you what you need to do to be absolved of those sins. But only if your 
truly repentant and sorry for what you're doing and you promise to turn away from those sins from here forward. Here's a... But then the Bible also (laughs) says there is only one mediator between God and man and that is Jesus Christ. Mm -hmm. So like why is that because like the Pope is assuming, okay, like, they're vicar assuming, the okay, the vicar thing that, sorry, when we say the word vicar, it just reminds me of that episode of Friends when <laughs> Joey finds Rachel's book porn. The vicar. The vicar. <laughs> and she's like, Joey, how do you know that word? <laughs> Here's one of the really hard things that I ran into as a young teenage boy that had just discovered my attraction to girls, for example. The Martha Stewart catalog. When I go in, <laughs> it was a Victoria's Secret. My my sister developed at an early age, so I got to enjoy those for a while. But um, I would go into the confessional and be like, I know I'm going to do that again at some point in my life, probably. And so, like, I'm confessing it with a repentant heart, quote unquote, but I know I'm probably going to do it again. So why why am I going to confession knowing that because I'm only absolved of that sin if I'm not if I'm going to set my heart to never do that again as hard as I may try I am a boy with raging hormones at that age something's gonna pop you know I don't know you're speechless <laughs> <laughs> I don't know it's just it was a hard one of the many things I had hard time with confession about yeah well because you're defining sin as to what your parents define sin as in uh, no no what the catholic church this is why i adhered so strictly to the catechism i understood what a venial sin was what a mortal sin was and i knew exactly what a mortal sin was because i was never going to do one of those that'll get you straight to hell straight down to the ground level (laughs) so then how did you go from like this good little catholic boy I was going to be a priest when I grew up. I know. You knew all the prayers. I, no, I was literally going to be a priest when I grew up. When you were like seven, it doesn't count. So you knew all of the prayers. Like you wanted to like actually be a teacher when you were an adult. So I think like you Not, be, yeah, leave the as priest. As a kid. As a kid thing. So how do you go from like this good little Catholic boy to knows all the stuff, <laughs> have little aspirations to be a priest as a young Mateo, <laughs> and you like knew everything like you know so much about religion and so many different angles about all of it and that's not new knowledge that's knowledge that you've had from your youth how do you go from that to then just like turning away from all of it and being this is bs and i'm done because that's where you were when i met you re-met you i guess i should say like Mm -hmm. when we started dating you were kind of like yeah i guess i'm like kind of an atheist or agnostic i don't really know like you weren't Like, I'm a Christian, like, so... So, I imagine, when I always thought of tradition, 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 I would always hear the explanation, well, tradition says, or the the magisterium says, or the official Catholic doctrine is. And I I heard verses that loosely alluded to their arguments for whatever they're selling me. But... It just seemed like a cabal of... That's a heavy word nowadays. It seemed like a group of people, probably men in the mid-middle ages, kind of came together and were like, how can we control the populace? Um, And how can we devise a way to control the people to where they are subservient to us? And religion is a really easy tool to do that, to control a populace with. God says, do this. Cool, okay. And in my mind, all I'm thinking is, well, it's a bunch of old dudes that were in 
habits or the you know priest clothes at some point in history could have been as early as Constantine which is what I now currently historically think is the turning point in orthodox Christianity is when the empire when Christianity became an empire we stopped being Christianity um and so I see the all these things forming and in, in my mind I'm just seeing these old men coming up with a plan to control us and I go the bible must be made up too this Jesus guy has probably never, never existed. They're just pulling these little sources here and there through history and pick and choosing what they want to make the Bible to be, and that's it. Well, I'm done. I'm done. I'm done trying. I'm done not being good enough for God. I'm done not feeling loved by God because I'm such a horrible sinner. I'm done. I'm out of here. Why would I want to, even if God existed, why would I want to like follow a God that was that harsh on me and, and wanted in my mind, I'm not trying to attack anyone in any religion, but why would I want to follow a God like that, that, that would only choose me if I tried just hard enough and spent enough time in prison for him and in, and in torment to wash away my badness, then I could finally be loved by him. No, I'm good. I'll see you later. Deuces. It's hypocritical to like what the Bible says too, because the Bible always says like, God loves you and all of this stuff. So it's like, yeah, to believe that is like you missed all of the good verses like you're only being fed the bad ones well gosh once again you look at these catholic doctrines and then you hear you have speakers coming into for example your confirmation classes or yeah we didn't have all that (laughs) and you'd hear these people saying i've suffered so much for the lord and it's so great and i lost my sight for the lord and i'm going through these terrible pains but I know Jesus is doing it to me for some good for my life. And, and I'm, I'm going through these pains for the Lord. And, and you look in history and these monks used to literally flagellate themselves with whips and cats of nine tails and crap to, to utter pain and bleeding because they felt that would purify them somehow. It's, it's insane in my mind to believe that people think that the loving God that you read of in the Bible wants you to do that. It's insane to me. Anyway, so, and the last one you have, uh, uh, well, not the last two, you have anointing of the sick. So if you're maybe going to die, you want to have a priest come in there and give you some blessings and anoint you with oil. So you have a quicker journey through purgatory into heaven. And then lastly, you have holy orders or matrimony. So you can either become a priest or get married. So now, and then you can also get into beliefs of beyond just Catholicism of does God elect all of us that are going to heaven because i don't want this to just be catholicism based also like i i don't have anything against the way i was raised me neither yeah i i I, Um, at this point it was a learning point but and it's just not where i identify now like i don't think there's anything wrong with that i'm just again i don't focus that way i don't get anything out of it it's not the way that i learned it's just not for me um but like there's other groups that are just similar to that too that do the same thing so why do they think that they're right and why do we think that we're right in our like more non-denominational side of it or even like the more Baptist side of it where we say, no, you don't need to do that every week. Like you're, you're ruining it or you need to be baptized because you decide to be baptized, not because it's decided for you. Like you and your heart need to make that decision. Mm-hmm. So there's some major differences between this. And I know you've mentioned like Orthodox and a different word that, Oh, Presbyterian? No. Uh, Byzantine? What are we? 
we are oh we're like protestants yeah so what does all this mean like what does that mean like why is there a difference in christianity because i feel like christianity is christianity so that was a confusing point to me as well okay so you have you can call it the roman catholic church or the catholic church the universal church Mm -hmm. and then breaking off of that if you imagine a tree from its root going up breaking off that you have the eastern orthodox so the greeks the russian and there's another one like a slavic one or something okay and so that's like eastern orthodox it kind of broke away from catholicism so the closest to catholicism is orthodox but Mm -hmm. there's a few distinct um doctrinal differences of beliefs between the two i think mainly salvation um and then from there after that timeline wise if you're growing up the tree then you have the the Luther guy who said, I'm a Catholic guy, but here's 99 ways that I disagree with the Catholic Church. And he nailed them to a door. The 99 theses, famous ones, or 101, or I don't know what it's called. I think it's 99. But, um, and he's like, I'm out of here. And he starts a Luther, Lutheran church. Mm-hmm. And so he's considered the first. Martin ref- Luther. Yeah, Martin Luther. Um, first reformer, if you want to call it that, is, is that guy. And then from there, you get all the Protestant denominations and Methodists and anglican church so at some point the english people broke away from the catholic church and so a lot of these episcopalian is the u.s version of that and so you have a lot of these churches that are similar to catholic ritualistic wise with their robes or their maybe they're named a priest still or they do the certain uh, sit stand things and the different anointings during the mass service and stuff but they're certain doctrines have broken away such and it's mainly to do with salvation being um can you and and do you pay your way to heaven earn your way to heaven or is grace given freely through jesus christ and it's only through faith in jesus that you're saved are the two main branches and then you have beyond that you have the the ones that are either Calvinists or Arminians are the main two Protestant breakaways that are like, um, if you want to think of Baptists or Christian non-denominational and stuff like that, you have ones that either believe that God before creation was like, there's, I have in my mind the people that I'm going to save and take to heaven and they're going to live out their lives throughout history how I've deemed it and only those certain people called the elect in the Bible and that's a word in the Bible, the eclectos, uh, can go to heaven. And the rest were just there to basically serve my purpose for glorifying me greater by saving certain ones through this whole thing. So there's the Calvinists who believe God pick and shows before creation. There's nothing you can do about it. And there's a five-letter like belief system called TULIP. So it's like we're all totally depraved. We're all just bad people. And then there's um, unlimited... Um, uh, grace or something like that so you can't uh, resist un- irresist- un- or maybe it's irresistible grace is the I so you is uh, anyway so it's basically saying um, God she's, chooses you there's nothing you can do about it and if you're not chosen you might live part of your life looking like you're Christian but in the end if you're not one of the elect you're done and then the Armenians say Jesus died for every single human being that's ever existed on earth. And it's up to you to recognize that for yourself and accept it or not. 
So those are the two main branches of Protestantism, and there's a lot of, you know, different changes with if you baptize a baby or if you baptize as an adult, um, the type, the frequency of communion, the the understanding of scripture versus tradition, where where the church gets what they understand. Is it only the Bible, sola scriptura, um, or is it Bible and the church and tradition, if you will? Um, so it's just interesting, like, Everybody is looking at the same document, the Bible. Yeah, there's a few extra books in the Catholic and certain other other religious uh, Bibles. There's a few extra books within the Bible. But more or less, we're all looking at the same document. And the amazing thing is how many denominations can arise from different interpretations of the same exact scriptures that we share. That's true. I mean, it's so different because, like, we're so conflicted on what certain verses mean and, like cherry picking certain things okay i do have to read this first because this is something that i've said to you and it scares me because that the reason i ask so many questions is like i mean there really probably isn't a right way that we're ever gonna like really truly come to terms with like proverbs fourteen twelve says there's a way that appears to be right but in the end it leads to death and that bothers me that proverb bothers me because i'm like which way is it which way leads to death what way looks like it's right am i the one that's like wrong so and maybe it's not even talking about that i don't know but it it sticks in my brain so i think the big question i would ask you and i ask myself all the time is what is sal- salvation in the biblical sense when jesus talks about it or when paul talks about it or something like that and then what is death um a lot of people would say you know jesus did die for you um but perhaps the the salvation that a lot of these passages are talking about is not your eternal spiritual salvation like where your spirit ends up in heaven or hell but it's actually your current life and how the eternal life basically the quality of your life is now when you follow jesus's path here on earth it may you may get pushback from people but it's easier because you're not fighting against the current of the spirit leading you and so in a way your eternal life starts here and now on earth when you when you become a follower and understander who jesus is you don't just like change all of a sudden one day but you make an active decision to start living that eternal life that we always talk about that we always think of a future after we die thing that eternal life starts immediately and so, in a way, you do have that eternal life when you start understanding what Jesus wants, what God wants you to be. Versus if you try to poo-poo away what Jesus and, and has done on earth and what God is, and the Spirit is trying to direct you to do, your life becomes harder and it's as if you're living in this life of death. So, not only can eternal life start now, but that death that they speak of is in this life as well. So when you live off the path of what God is in the spirit is leading you towards, that death is immediately starting. Whenever you're looking or turning away from God, that's that's the death. So now we get to essentially uh, on that happy note of death and all that, we get to essentially how have we come to understand things? And we've kind of gone through that. And then how do we want to convey these ideas and understandings to Mateo and possibly to future kids and stuff so yeah because like from our stance we were almost told what to believe 
and then when we got into our time of like being able to make a choice by ourselves we just turned away from it because it was easier yeah yeah so especially in my in my upbringing I was very much told what and how to believe and in a way modeled that um in the in the home we had you know we had to say our rosary every night we had a room specifically decked out with the pictures and icons of it's called our prayer room where you know that's where the prayers would happen every night and the reading of the bible and all that kind of stuff so it was very much drilled into my mind that like these are the steps you have to take if you want a chance to not burn in a fire and it wasn't more of like being happy and enjoying god to me it seemed like do these things so you don't have to face the fire do all these it wasn't about like glorifying god it was about almost glorifying satan because you just didn't want to be there right like not glorifying him but like pointing out that part of it more than pointing out like the part about god loving you and like yeah it's kind of like don't steal from your work because you might go to jail instead of you could get promoted or you could get a pay increase if you you yeah it's the complete opposite of like what you can enjoy when you are in right relationship and it was just more about how can you avoid the worst ending of your eternity for like you're gonna burn in a fire forever that's scary like if you truly believe that's the case that's scary like and you have to like check certain boxes off in your life and if you screw up you're going to that fire forever i understand completely where a lot of atheists and agnostics come from and and, like i do not want to screw up and get stuck in that fire so is this stuff real and you know you start questioning that stuff and i never got the as far in my mind to question it at, at a young age because i was so afraid of the repercussions of even questioning that asking questions about that stuff so i'm sure your household was a little bit different yeah well i mean we just didn't really talk about church outside of church to be honest because we didn't really have like a godly home like my dad um worked nights and he also struggled with addiction and so like we weren't sitting around and glorifying god when my father was around and when it was just us and my mom, my mom would pray before dinner and that type of stuff. But I mean, there wasn't really like sitting around talking about the Bible or, or anything like that, or me even bringing those types of questions forth. The only question I think that I've ever asked that I can remember that I, I got told to ask a priest um, was that I wanted to know if God made us who made God because logically that makes sense right like we were created so who created him like where did he come from like he couldn't have just appeared out of thin air right so I asked that to my mom and my mom's just like you should ask father Mike that and I'm pretty sure she just did it because she wanted to like give father Mike a little run for his money and be like how are you gonna answer this one and father Mike just looked at me and he goes well that's a good question you'll have to ask God when you get up there (laughs) So that was something That else. priest was confident like, that you're going to heaven, Exactly, huh? like, that was a statement that was given to me. So, like, I never got told, like, the wrath of God is going to, like, strike down upon you. So when I think about what I'm going to tell Mateo, I think about, 
I don't, I don't want to like push anything on him. I just want him to have like the ability to have a place to ask questions. And I want to give him a place that he's, you know, like able to ask those questions and that he's able to do the learning, but not in such a structured environment that he doesn't want to go. Yeah. So I think on top of, and I agree, we've talked about this, so it's not like we're just now figuring out our parenting plan or anything, but. This is brand new information. (laughs) I mean, he could disagree with me. I mean, y'all could hear it from here and we could just maybe not have it. I want a divorce. Yeah. (laughs) Um, But yeah, that I, I will always live around Mateo and not in a forceful way, but I always will live with the presupposition that God exists and he loves me and him. So. I will always carry out my day-to-day interactions, not bringing it up. But the assumption is God exists and he loves you. So it's never like, Mateo, you one day, you're going to make a decision on if you think God exists and loves you too. Of course, he's going to make that decision when he becomes an adult. But I'm going to live my life knowing that he does and he does love Mateo. So when I do that, it's going to model, hopefully how to interact with people in the knowledge that God loves you. I like it. Well, yeah, because, like, I feel like we just incorporate God into our lives, and so it's just a natural, not forced thing yeah. when we talk about it. So, like, Mateo's scared of the shadows in his room. We've done a podcast about that. Y'all know <laughs> the, the shadow episode. Well, we, we come to figure out what the shadows were, by the way. The, it, the mystery was solved this week. Um, it was the curtains blowing because of the vent down below. So it's some heavy, um, like, what is this, night room blocking, um, room darkening curtains. And they kept blowing. So that's why he said the and shadows the, were talking to and him. And the, the Nephilim the demon that lives in the room. Right, you know, that, just that. You know. So then I opened the curtains because he has blinds. And I was like, okay, is, is that better? And the next day he's like, the dark didn't talk to me anymore, mom. You did it. And so just like kid. But when, when he would complain about it, we'd always be like, Jesus is going to protect you. God is going to protect oh. you. Just ask for help to Jesus. And like, it, it, that's such a natural statement. And he just was like, yeah, help me, Jesus. Help me, Jesus. And then <laughs> he'll come home from school with like little prayers and be excited about. But we're never just like sitting down and like reading the Bible stories to him and like, telling him what to think or what to what to believe we just demonstrate it and talk about it like well this is god's got you like you don't need to worry about it like we don't got you but god's got you like if there's dark i'm out of here (laughs) so so i think thinking back when i did i wish there was more open discussion in my family of those questions though Mm -hmm. because when i did run those questions i had never heard a good answer for them such as who, where did God come from? Or such as... Um, Have you ever heard that question answered, by the way? I can answer it, but it, it you can't answer it to like a seven-year-old. You, ha- it, you have to understand what dimensions are. It's just as God created height, width, and depth, uh-huh. he also created time. Yeah. Four, right? So when you think of, well, what was before us, you mean in eternity past where there was never... A progression of time it just was so God already existed there was no time before he created it so when you think of before God there was no before God because there was no time God created time to serve his purposes in creating mankind and stuff and the universe in general but if you can't explain to a child well time space time relativity and height depth width and the fourth dimensions time well God created time so 
if there was no time before God, then God didn't have to come before and something before him. There was no linear progression of time. It was just eternity past. But if you think about it, where my seven-year-old brain was going... For sure. ...is physical beings. Like, something has to create something. So, like... But you're imagining God is a is a tiny a entity. Thing. Yeah, as an when entity. When he encompasses all that we see, breathe, and understand. That's kind of the difference there. He created time space that we're living within. If you take that away, he is everything. Because he was bef- he was there. And he created it. So if you think of where did that water come from? Well, it came from the hose and it came from the source and it came from a big water thing. Well, God is that big water thing that always existed because there was no time before him. So when you think of before, that's your creation in your mind because you live within the construct of God's constructions. I'm even more confused now than when I ask the question to right. my priest. So when day. Mateo asks, I will say... I will say, talk to your father. <laughs> no, but that, there's some other ones like... You know, why, did, why does God allow evil? Or why did they kill all those people in the Bible, especially the Old Testament? Why did seemingly God order the Israelites to murder millions of people? Why did he flood people? Or why did he flood the earth, essentially? All these questions you run into. And, and if you don't have a good answer for those, especially for young kids when they start understanding what death is, you're going to have a hard time later on because they'll understand fully who perpetrates murder for the most part, and it's not good people. And if that's who God is, then he's not a good people either. So you do have to kind of, and everybody's going to have a different explanation for that, and it's usually dependent on what you were taught Mm -hmm. and where you're currently at in your understanding. My understanding is vastly different than what most probably Christians' understanding of that those answers, such as the violence and the evil and all that. Very different than what most people understand. We've shared a little bit of that when we get into the like the Nephilim and the ghosts and all those different cool things that we talk about. And the wrath of God really meaning like purification. It doesn't mean wrath, but like we translate it as wrath. Yeah. It's when your kid's about to throw hot oil on themselves from the stove and you go, No That's not anger, that is emergency passion and that's what God's wrath is. So those are great you if you do want to raise your child understanding who and what God is Make sure you have answers for those kinds of questions. The ones that are hard for you to answer, you know those kids are going to be asking them. If they're not asking you as a parent, they're going to be asking their friends or somebody they trust who might have a very bad or different answer than what you understand the world to be. Yeah, because you get questions um, as like the youth person for middle school boys. They've asked you some very interesting oh, yeah. questions. A, a lot of the LGBT stuff, too. Yeah. yeah, and you have to like kind of be on your game because like, one, you can't say something that's going to offend mom and dad, too, if they take yeah. that answer home. But yeah. two, like, how do you answer this to them when their brains don't fully understand the question that they're asking? It, it, so, yeah, it's, it's very interesting. And, like, you, you do, you have to be able to answer that question almost in multiple layers. Like, how do you answer it to a 5-year-old? How do you answer it to a 10-year-old? You answer it to a 15-year-old, now a 20-year-old. Mm-hmm. Here's a simple answer for m- most of those questions. And it is kind of a way to dance around it, but it's a good way for kids that are younger. But you always answer, God is love, right? First and foremost, the Bible says God is love. If that's the case, then I can trust a loving God to make sure to take care of us even when we're struggling or acting like we shouldn't be. Mm-hmm. We have somebody, that some a God, not just a person, a God that loves us personally 
and you know you can trust him to take care of you even when you screw up. So I might not have the answer to you, son, about, you know, your friend transitioning or all the murders in the Bible, which I definitely have some opinions and understandings of, don't get me wrong. But my answer to him would still be, God loves you, God loves everybody in this world, and I'm sure he's going to have a way to figure this out for you. I love it. That's awesome. Well, I think we know how to answer Mateo now. Shut up. Go talk to your dad. (laughs) (laughs) Uh. All right. Well, thanks, as always, for all of your knowledge and for making me feel dumber than I ever was. Oh, babe, you you (laughs) had some really good insights today, so... You know, like, all this stuff, though, that I should have paid attention to, and now I'm just like, did I just block it out? Like, did did it just not get communicated to me, or am I just that ADD that, like, that message just got completely missed to me. So it's kind of fun to hear your story versus my story just because we grew up in the same faith and we've transitioned together into, like, these different stages of where we're at today Mm -hmm. in faith. Mm -hmm. But, like, where we were when we met to get to that point where we were in two totally different spots based off of the message that was given to you versus the message that I I either ignored or was not given to me. So... I think it's it's just interesting because everybody was raised so different and everybody has this way of understanding the Bible and what those things mean to them. Yep. It's awesome. Well, that was a really good one. Um, All three of our dogs have passed out now, so I think it's about time for us to go nighty-night too. What do you think? Sounds great. All right. Love y'all. Talk to you soon. Thanks. Mm-hmm.